0: The Forum at 8 with Colán Iguala. It is 8 minutes after 8. Welcome to the Forum at ATR on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, an opportunity for us once again to look at the situation in the mining industry in this country. What is going on there? A lot of complaints coming up. Uh, you you remember that last week we, did, we we actually had a story, we ran a story about the situation at the Beatrix West operation of Sibania Gold. Now, the company uh, has already started talks that may lead to the job cuts there. They're talking about 3,000 jobs. Now, the company, which is a spin-off of South Africa's gold fields that listed in February, said the underground fire had costed 61 kilograms or 28 million rand per month in lost production and the damaged area would be inaccessible until at least the middle of next year. That seems to be the trigger for the latest, of course, complaint by the ANC in particular, by Mr. Mantasha, who says uh, something has got to be done. We need to talk about what is going on within the mining sector in this country. And Mr. Mandasha is my guest on the program this morning, Mr. Thank you for your time. Good morning. Good morning, Colin. Thank you very much. On the other line, I have Mr. Roger Baxter. He's the acting chief executive officer of the Chamber of Mines. Mr. Baxter, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for your time. Let's start with you, Mr. Uh, Matashe. Broadly, one of the complaints that you made uh, a couple of days ago is really that the the mining industry is not worker friendly in this country. Tell me why.
1: One of the things I did in my life (coughs) uh, was to bargain uh, with the mining industry in the main. And I, I have always been guided by a principle of bargaining in good faith. Now, I am using that as a starting point because if the business in South Africa, including mining, uh, go public and say they support the National Development Plan, one of the things they must in, internalize is that one of the problems I highlighted there is high unemployment, poverty, and inequality. Mm. And therefore, any decision they take, even impacts negatively on those issues, they must appreciate that they're depending the crisis for the country. Now, if you have a business that says, we support the NDP, <coughs> but will destroy 17,000 jobs. I'm talking of the numbers that have been announced. Hmm. Uh, <coughs> they're talking on both sides of their mouth. And it takes me to how they deal with the industry. You can't deal with the long term investment in just like mining in a way that is short term, ad hoc. There's fire underground, fire 3000. First of all, is that I haven't had uh, Sibanye uh, uh, announcing what was the cause of the fire, how far have they with uh, fighting that fire? Because the first thing is to normalize the operation and safety. In any mining operation, it's a management responsibility mm. with everybody involved, with everybody involved, taking responsibility, but primarily to provide a safe working place is a, a responsibility of the job. And a worker is entitled to a safe working place. Now, that issue is ignored. They don't talk about it. They announce the retrenchments. To me, I think uh, Sibanya has put a card before the horse. And it takes me to a question that says, maybe it's just the rolling out of a plan, because Goldfields take three of its old mines, the deepest mines, West Drifontaine, the Drifontaine, Kluhoff, and Beatrix, and make a company that is called Sibanye. To me, it's a number first company. Because if it was ring fencing, South African assets, they would have included South Deep, which is new and long life. Mm. The exclusion of of, of South Deep to me is sending a clear message that it's about reinforcing the old, deep, difficult mines of South Africa and actually run them down. There's an element of high creating there. And as a result of that, they have taken the mine and expanded goldfish into a global company, which we accept, but now reinforce back the old mines, the generators of capital that rolled out that expansion. And I think it's is dishonest and, 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 uh, and disingenuous.
0: And this is it. This is what this is about. Because from what you are saying, there are three things that I'm hearing. In fact, the same phrases, just put differently. Uh, the good and bad faith. You were talking about bargaining and you were saying you're bargaining in good faith. Yes. Uh, you were talking about issues of trust. You're yes. talking now about dishonesty. Yes. The issue is about the relationship between the authorities, i.e., government versus, well, uh, i.e., government slash ANC versus the mining industry.
1: In the global uh, uh, competitive index, 144 countries are assessed, one number 52 overall, one number 52 overall, Mm. but when it comes to employer-employee relations, South Africa is number 144, stone last. And the biggest uh, factor uh, that uh, made us to be ranked at that level is the relationship of workers and employers in the mining industry. And the Djorans added a little bit of flavor to that. And I think the mining industry must wake up, sit up, think carefully what we can do. We can't have South Africa ranked number 144 in the world for employer-employee
0: relations. Why is it the industry's fault, though? Why is it the mining industry's fault? And perhaps not even the unions, not government?
1: Can I, can I tell you, Colon, as a worker, I know that how weak you are as an individual against your employer. Your employer uh, pulls the strings. Uh, you can organize yourself into a union and at least balance out that relationship. But it is unequal. That's why even in the case of relationship, that section 189 that Sibany have triggered doesn't stop employers from retrenching. All it says, please dig the, 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 the boxes, uh, do the formalities, but you have a right to retrench. So employers are more powerful hmm. in the employment relations, and they have a bigger relationship and responsibility. Again, I'm there. going to
0: go back, because these are these are important and very serious allegations. You, you, are, you are alleging that the employers are not committed to the national development plan.
1: I am, because if you are committed, you can't select what you are committed in, what is good, sounding good to you. If you have the, 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 the NDP sounding conservative when it comes to worker issues, then you welcome it. But when it comes to responsibility of ensuring that you work with the state and everybody to create jobs, fight poverty, fight inequality, you don't see any responsibility, you replace that with profit maximization, that is bad faith.
0: Amplats, for instance, was citing business imperatives for for considering Section 189 and uh, uh, cutting those uh, 14,000 jobs. The same thing that uh, Sabanya is talking about. They Ah. are business imperatives. You may be committed at a principal level, but business imperatives dictate.
1: I'm very happy that uh, Amplats has revisited that exercise. want to see the end of that exercise. But the fact that when we raised the issues, which was logical, they went back and reconsidered it because you don't announce numbers even before you engage. You state your case, parties come together and begin to look into the case. You state your case, they debate, and you can determine the numbers. I always uh, appreciate the fact that when the mining industry announced numbers, it will say 3,000, when it wants to retract 1,500, and after negotiations, to 1,500, and everybody is excited that we have achieved, we have reduced the numbers from 3,000 to 1,500. To me, that is an old strategy. It will not work forever. The industry must come with the problem to the table, and I think in Sibanye, the main problem is fire underground. Mm. That is what the, the employer and the and trade the union must work on. Fight that fire, uh, kill it, Return operations to normality. Then, if there is an impact, come back and say to the labour movement: Listen, that fire has this impact on us, and uh, we can't carry the load or carrying because the impact of this fire is this. They don't say. They say there is still fire raging on. We are returning 3,000, meaning that if that fire is still raging on, they will come back next week to it. No, it's not 3,000; it's actually 4,000.
0: Right, let's bring in Mr. Uh, uh, just in terms of uh, finding out what the, the, the Chamber of Minds is saying about this. Mr. Baxter, your, your thoughts here. What, what seems to be at the heart of the problem, would you say?
2: Solani, yes. Hi, good morning to you and to your listeners and, uh, to Mr. Mantash. Morning, uh,
1: morning, morning, Raj.
2: How are you, Gretti?
1: I'm alright, you?
2: Good, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having us on your show. Uh, no problem. Solani, it's great, great to be with you. Um, uh, obviously it's a, it's, it's a complex issue and I think, um, Mr. Mantash is is, is really touching on a couple of very key points. I I would like to say up front that we, uh, in very seriously studying the National Development Plan, um, recognize the key pillars of what government uh, and the ANC through government are trying to achieve, and that's obviously creating 11 million more jobs in the next 17 years, Mm. and at the same time reducing our unemployment rate, reducing our poverty rates in the country, etc., etc. And we are... We are firmly committed to those ideals and objectives, sure. so I just you know up front so so we we can say that from the chamber side at this, at the as an entity that represents more than ninety percent of the of the mining industry by value uh, i guess I guess I, some of the challenges that come in in the short term are very much related to if we look at the platinum sector, if I just use that as a quick one and then move across to the gold sector yeah in the in the platinum sector, we have a situation where Roughly fifty percent of the industry is currently loss making at current prices, um, if you include sustaining capital expenditure. So in other words, um, the companies uh, obviously are trying to do their best and we certainly in our in our processes with government through the MiG Debt process, the MiG Debt Platinum task team and others, have been committed to trying to as much as possible and where possible treat retrenchment as an absolute last resort and then obviously look at all different options that are available. Uh, but South Africa is producing. Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, the platinum market is is oversupplied. Last year, it was a slight deficit, but if you take the three years in cumulation, uh, we've got over a million ounces of platinum surplus in the market, and that's obviously been affecting prices, etc. So, so the restructuring word, uh, you know, maybe restructuring is the wrong word that we should be using. But uh, trying to right size our production to meet global demand without producing surpluses, which is obviously depressing price, is one issue. But at the same time, trying to do it in as-responsible way in managing the different constraints that we face and obviously keeping these businesses sustainable mm. um, to enable them, when conditions improve, to be able to grow. I, you know, if I look at the mining sector, we are currently directly employing about 525,000 people mm. in the industry as a whole, which is a lot of people. We yeah. estimate about 1.35 million jobs are created in the economy as a whole. So I guess... I guess the conversation, I can understand why the ANC is obviously upset about um, job losses in the short term. And uh, obviously, we've got to try what we can do to try and minimize and mitigate those job losses where possible. But it's critical in the platinum side, for example, to try and reposition the industry as a whole so that we can grow. And we think that we can grow two, three years out when hopefully some of our key markets, which have... Um, which have become very stressed. Right, Europe, Sorry, come back on screen.
0: Yeah, uh, let, me, let me let me just pick up on some of the issues because you you, sure. you, you for instance say that retrenchment is a last resort, and I, you know I think that's the key point. If retrenchment is a last resort, then uh, where does that put Mr. Mantashe's argument? For instance, let's let's start with Amplats. Fourteen thousand uh, people are likely to 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 be retrenched at Amplats. The announcement is made, but when the ANC intervenes and government intervenes, that stops. It it means that there was always perhaps a. Legal way to do something to negotiate before you consider retrenchment. It doesn't sound like it was the last resort.
2: So, Lonnie, listen, I think on that particular issue, and, and obviously I don't normally speak on the individual company issues because they have their own spokespeople yeah, on these I, matters, I but, let me, but let me just say that I think what's, what's happened is that when they went initially and, and and launched the Section 1 and 9 and, 1, and the Section 52 in terms of the NPRDA, what they did is they uh, provided inputs that there may be up to 14,000 retrenchments. It wasn't a definite number; it was a number of an indication of what potential job losses could be on the line. They'd been through a process of a year uh, assessing what they needed to do to try and restructure the operations to get them back onto sustainable footing, etc. And so I think that was the start of the sort of process. I mean, perhaps things could have been done differently, and that's that's always a uh, a learning process that all of us go through and there, there obviously is a very uh, strong engagement process going on at the moment but the reality for for the platinum sector is that there's a degree of restructuring again that, that, that awful word restructuring that has to take place to to enable the industry to survive the short term. These companies Um, are not making profits, they are making serious losses, and those losses are being funded by debt, and that cannot continue indefinitely.
0: But let me ask you this before I come back to Mr. Mantasha as well, whether you think that there is perhaps a problem with communication, because if uh, if the agents of the ruling party, if the government state doesn't understand the imperatives of the platinum sector to go through the kind of uh, um, uh, processes that you are talking about, then it means perhaps somebody is not communicating effectively.
2: I listen, you know, communication is always a word that's thrown in, and I, I'm not sure that communication is, is, is the be-all, end-all. I think uh, effective uh, engagement is the, is the critical, uh, critical words that we should be using in these types of issues. And I think, uh, you know, the situation from the announcement that took place um, about the 14,000 retrenchments, there's been very, very significant engagement, and perhaps we should have started that process a bit earlier. But, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what's happened, and I think... Uh, you know, we're all going through a learning process at the same time in this in this in this particular regard.
0: Let me let me bring you in, Mr. Matasha, again on the effective engagement because again I'm going to refer to the article you wrote for uh, Mining Weekly, the column there because you said the question of the relations between the ANC and the business community has been raised sharply, and I'm raising it again today. Uh, you you went on to say my submission is that the relationship is at its best based on the reality of the ongoing engagement with the business community. The fact that the Chamber of Mines was met five times in the run up. To the 53rd National Conference Taking their views seriously In the formulation of policy Is testimony to the substance of the relations Are you still convinced That the the, the, the engagement has been effective
1: No, no Let me give uh, my understanding Of effective engagement That is effective communication Hmm. Because when you engage You begin to throw facts and figures On the table Uh, And if you are cutting corners in, in giving those facts and figures, you are going to cause problems because you don't throw a number of people you are going to retrench before you throw facts and figures on the table. If you do so, you are putting the cat before the horse. You are determining the end state before the engagement. That cannot be effective engagement. That is bad engagement. Now, now let, let me just take two other points. Yeah. The one you have taken of the... Of the of treating uh, retirement as the last resort it can be true when you announce numbers before you talk that you are treating it as the last resort it's not it's far from the truth you are treating it as the first resort it's your first resort to start there then you engage and hope that maybe you may reduce the numbers uh, to, a, to a limited extent my approach is, the mining industry must appreciate the importance of coming back. Let me give you this question of loss-making shafts. You know, uh, we, we had a similar situation in gold mining. They were not making losses because the price of gold was at 1400 or $1,500 an ounce. They were making losses because the price of gold was at about $250 an ounce and they were making losses. Out of that exercise, we came up with innovative way of dealing with things. One of the things that came out of that was the emergence of a company called Harmony as a major gold-producing company. And a company called ARM is a very much a product of those exercises because all we did was to give those companies an opportunity to take over shelves that, that were loss-making, in the big companies that have the comfort of big head offices, big overheads, and we said that this company emerged as lean companies that were running their operations on the basis of reducing of overheads and actually putting more effort on the production point. And I think the mining guys must not reinvent the wheel. It must open up those shops to those companies. That's the point we made earlier. When Anglo made this point said, no, Anglo must not shut the shops; It must call for people to apply and run those shafts and companies that are actually having a history and experience of running lean and mean operations that reduce overhead and head offices can run those self profitable.
0: Right, let's open the lines here Find out what people think about that Mr. Baxter, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond 0891-104-208, 0891-104-208. Where is the problem? What needs to be done? What are your thoughts? It's an important industry As you heard from Mr. Baxter Directly, it, it, it employs over 500,000 people uh, But indirectly, the numbers of people involved Could be up to more than a million What then needs to be done In order to deal with these uh, uh, problems identified here uh, 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 Before I read the, essay, the emails here. Perhaps, uh, Mr. Baxter, you may want to respond to some of the things Mr. Mattash has said.
2: Yes, and I think uh, you know, when one talks about constructive problem-solving e- engagement, I think, um, you know, we, we, when we look at it, I mean, when we, we, certainly when we look at, uh, for example, the things that have taken place during the course of the last uh, couple of years in, in discussions on various different components around uh, various debates on various issues, I mean, we have the uh, ANC policy resolutions that came out of the Mungoen conference, yeah. uh, which, uh, Elective Conference in December, uh, and we as the Chamber have actually come out and, and stated that we uh, uh, fully support the objectives. I mean, obviously, one of the key issues is the discussion on the how on some of the objectives, um, you know, particularly around the encouraging beneficiation, et cetera. So, you know, the the, word, you know, the words constructive engagement are important. I guess when you're in, a, in this challenging uh, circumstances where you've got the platinum sector and certain components of the gold sector also, we are estimate as about 30% of the gold mining sector is, is also loss-making if you include full capital expenditure, um, that um, – you know it's part of we we need to make sure that the engagement process is is on these is 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 more um you know up front and and uh uh instead of you know when the one, section 189s and and the section 52s are put in place so that we we have a better um Uh, joint uh, understanding and better joint way of trying to mitigate and and manage the different processes. I mean, I I can certainly give the assurance that the companies where possible are trying to redeploy label and look at many different options, and these have been some of the things that we have discussed in the Platinum Task Team during the course uh, of the latter part of last year. The Platinum Task Team was set up, I think, in June uh, 2012, and uh, quite a lot of discussion on the various challenges and what the potential sh- solutions could be, but oh. I, I guess then we were overtaken, obviously, by the events on the Labour relations front in the Labour strife uh, in the latter part of last year, and we kind of like had to park the debt discussions, uh, and I guess that was a bit unfortunate. All right. The,
0: Mr. Fadashi, just a
1: quick No, no, I, I, I think there's a, a term that uh, Roger keeps on throwing. Uh, it looks innocent when you say a number of mines are loss-making and you include capital expenditure, you are exaggerating the problem, because capital expenditure is investment. Uh, You are creating productive capacity, you will will break in further down the line and make the profit. Mm. That's why all primary industries, mining, I've now experienced in agriculture, all of them have one characteristic, is that if you are a short-term investor and you want to make quick money, you are in wrong industries if you go to mining and agriculture because you make money further down the line. So I don't think you should carelessly throw this capital expenditure and call it loss-making when it is investment for future profits.
2: Okay, just, a yeah, yeah. just a quick one there, which yeah. I think you know, Grady is absolutely right if you, if you look at long, the long-term CAPEX. I think if you're looking at... Um, the platinum sector, probably half of what the platinum sector spends is what we define as short-term CAPEX, which is just the, the uh, capital expenditure that's required just to keep you mining at the same production rate that you're currently mining at. The long-term capital expenditure, I absolutely agree with him on and So on the platinum side, we've excluded the long-term capital expenditure, which is designed to create space for mining in the future, whereas the short-term capital expenditure, what we define as sus- uh, sustaining CAPEX is very much... Um, you know, at that level. And in the gold mining sector, most of what the companies are spending is sustaining capex because of the very mature nature of the industry as it is. But he, he's, he's certainly right on that point.
0: Right. One or two emails before I take the news headlines. Uh, Lutando says, I agree 300% with the SG. The creation of Sibanye was only a tool to retrench workers without affecting the share price of gold fields with South dips ramp-up. Over the years, gold has acted with impunity regarding employee relations, and these retrenchments are nothing new except putting profits above the... Country's well-being. That's Lutando on email. Johnny Michael Moussa, um according to the tracking trends in mining in 2013 by Delo- Deloitte, it says, while governments are less likely to face public backlash if they tax profitable corporations before citizens, they often fail to realize that higher corporate taxes lead to lower local investment resulting in rising unemployment. It is time for mining companies to get this message across. Beyond tax revenues, mining investment creates jobs, enhances local infrastructure, Reduces poverty, disseminates advanced technology, boosts inter regional trade, and spurs economic growth. The indirect impact of the abandoning key regions becomes clear when the extent to which the mining industry currently contributes to GDP in nations around the world is considered. What does the SG make of this trend of increased taxes on mining companies and also expect these uh, global miners to keep current jobs? That's an email, a very long email from Johnny Michael Musa. The SG will respond, but also will take more of your calls. 0891-10428. I see France Balenov of NUM is on the line. Also, Jagana uh, on the line as well. They will be sharing with us their views on this matter. Keep them coming on 089110428. SMS me at 34701. I'll be taking your emails at gualaxrsabc.co.za. Time for Vabakhni. JT with the very latest news headlines. The Forum at 8 with Olani Guala. 891 Let's get your thoughts then for my guest on the program this morning Mr. Guederman Dasha, ANC General Secretary SG, uh, the Secretary General I beg your pardon as well as Mr. Roger Baxter who is the Acting Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber of Mines Let's go to Mr. Franz Baleni uh, of the National Union of Mine Workers on the line Mr. Baleni, good morning, nice of you to call
3: uh, good morning, Pepito, and to your uh, guests, yes. Guatu and Mr. Uh, Baxter. Mm-hmm. I think the two points we want to emphasize where we we agree with uh, uh, the SG. Mm-hmm. In the first instance, uh, the mining industry did not fully embrace transformation. Post-1994, they chose to pack and leave South Africa and list, uh, and, and list uh, outside to South Africa. Secondly, if you look at the five years of the Mining Charter, not a single pillar in terms of target set in the first five years uh, were met. So you could see that they've never fully embraced transformation, notwithstanding that they've benefited in the apartheid regime in terms of poor, I mean cheap labor and various uh, apartheid uh, arrangements. The second thing is that out of the madness of 2012, in terms of the armed strike, who has benefited in the main? It is the, the mining industry has benefited through cheap retrenchment, restructuring, and also disruption uh, of a plan to prevent blood path of job losses. We were in a process of preventing platinum uh, in terms of uh, retrenching. Then there was this uh, strikes that actually derailed uh, that, that, that plan. The last point I want to make, Kolani, let's take Exaro as an example. Uh, this thing of target setting, uh, while companies are making a profit, there is continuous increase of profit-making. If you take Exaro, which made a, a profit of $2.9 billion, they could not pay workers' bonus because targets have not been met. And workers are saying, but you have made a profit of $2.9 billion. How do you say we have not met our targets?" Hmm.
0: Right, Mr. Balene, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Baxter, do you want to respond? Because he's making serious allegations, the first one in particular, about the mining industry not fully embracing transformation.
2: So, Lani, listen I, I think you know this is obviously a, a, a very important conversation that has been taking place in a number of different forums. Um, you know my, my specific take and uh, having been one of the original uh, negotiators of the mining charter back in two thousand and two is that um, what tends to happen in the discussions is that because you have one company in a sector that hasn 't yet achieved a particular level at the employment equity level for example, the sort of view is that you that you haven 't transformed despite the fact that if you look at the management levels you might be sitting at thirty five percent um, HTSA's participation across the entire management spectrum right up to the senior level, not quite at the 40% target yet, which is what we were aiming to achieve, and yet the sort of accusation that is made is that we haven't transformed. So I, I guess um, um, there, there is some merit in, 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 in the issue in the way that uh, Franz Bellini talks about it, where you have some companies that maybe haven't done as much as they should, but in general, particularly with the Chamber members, we've been through a very thorough exercise looking at uh, where the industry at and what sort of progress we've made and where the gaps are. And I'm not saying that we're perfect, but I think there's been a very strong uh, commitment to meeting many different aspects of the, of the Charter. And, um, you know, I think that we're on, on the right road to where we want to be. And we've, we, we have certainly done uh, well in, in, in most of the areas, but in some of the areas we haven't done as well as we should.
0: But what about his uh, allegation that the industry seems very much, uh, you know, set on making these profits at the expense of the workers, of course, making the example of Exaro?
2: Um, I think let's just you know um, if we if we look at the broad context. I mean, if I just take 2011 and I look at the industry um, and I look at, at its profit rates, the industry in 2011 uh, in total made a profit of um, of about 90 billion. That was a gross profit level before tax, before dividends, before capital expenditure. If you if you if you look at that number, it was about an 18% profit to revenue ratio. That that compares to a profit to revenue ratio of about. Uh, 34.9% on average for the last five years in Australia's mining industry. I just use that as a relative example. So, you know, when I look at when I look at it and I translate it back into the numbers of what we what is being spent in South Africa, uh, workers last year in 2011, sorry, uh, received about 89 billion. That was for the 500,000 people employed in the sector, etc. And so, I, I think the, the industry is not making super profits. Um, that Labor certainly, the, the unions over the last 20 years have certainly made sure that, um, you know, that workers are receiving, uh, you know, a share, an equitable share of, of, of uh, what the industry is spending and trying to gain. Hmm. And I guess one of the challenges is, and I mean, this comes back to the uh, question that was uh, raised on your email system, which was, you know, um, you know we, we think that the mining sector can uh, is playing, but can play a bigger role going forward in helping government and helping the country You know, reach its 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 uh, targets in relation to reducing unemployment, etc., etc. But we can only do that in an environment where we can really get uh, long-term investment taking place and creating those opportunities going forward. I guess in the short term, you know, the challenges obviously have been related to the viability Mm. of certain components of the industry and. So you know, just 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 to say that you know the industry is not making super profits at this particular stage. Well, and uh, Mr.
0: Midesha, is that is that your experience as well, or no, they're not Let super me,
1: well. me just make two two points, uh, Colani. The first thing I think we can leave the argument of John Michael uh, Musa unchallenged, yeah. because the mining industry in South Africa is not one of the highest taxed mining industries in the world. It's not close to that. Actually, corporate tax in South Africa continue to be reduced over the over the period of time. Now, now, and the fact that even when we talk of uh, a particular dispensation that seeks to target uh, extreme profits, we didn't plunge into that. We have, the, the President announced a tax commission that will look into the tax structure. The reason that we are cautious is because we don't think that we should do something just out of excitement and just purely ideological. We must assess it, say what will be the impact of that dispensation to overall performance of the industry. So I think uh, Mr. Musa is totally out of sync on this matter. He is just uh, talking to emotion. He is not stating facts. Let me come to the question of um, the, 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 the uh, Balan is making a, a very important point of the impact of the last strikes, unprotected strikes, the wave of unprotected strikes. And he's accusing the industry of of having benefited from those strikes. Now, I don't know, uh, I'm no longer a trade unionist, I don't go to those details, but what was worrying everybody at that time was the tolerance for anarchy. That was allowed to continue for a long time. And I always ask the question that, When I was a shop steward in the mining industry, if you go to an unprotected strike on day three, there would be something serious. You'll get an ultimatum and you'll be shown the door. This toleration of uh, uh, anarchy in the industry, to some of us, pointed to a direction that an industry was corroborating, breaking a union that is putting pressure on them and having depth in analysis and hope that there will be a newcomer that comes in, and actually have it easy to go. And I think the mining industry must always go back and be careful about allowing the industry to be run down in the short term because they think that they can benefit in the long term when they are weak unions. Weak unions are not a benefit to the mining industry. A, a good union is, is a benefit to the mining industry because When you have a good union, Coland, when you sign an agreement, that agreement stands. When you have a weak union, agreements are not worth the paper written on. You can have an agreement, have a strike next week, have to sign another agreement, have a strike the other week. Because weak unions do not provide leadership. So I think Mr. Baxter must not evade that point.
0: Uh, yeah, do you want to respond to that? Because the allegation, clearly, is that you were supporting AMCO. And I mean, let's be direct about it.
2: Well, Lonnie, I mean, listen, absolutely not. I mean, uh, the the industry. I mean, let's just look at it from this sort of perspective. I mean, we have absolutely no uh, interest in anarchy or in you know having a totally disruptive workplace that we had during the course of 2012. Um, obviously, also involving the the tragedy at so you, you know, just to say to you, uh, it just can't be in the interest of the industry and. Uh, you know, from our, our particular vantage point, um, we don't think the industry in any way was trying to undermine the National Union of Mine Workers. I, I understand the accusation that's being made. Uh, the events that took place, the, the industry worked very hard trying to work within existing structures, uh, within existing framework agreements. And if you look at all the agreements, ultimately they were reached to end various strike activity uh, last year. They were addendum to the existing wage agreements. We tried to work hard with government the Department of Labor, the Department of Mineral Resources and others to try and the, and the established unions and the emerging union just to try and uh, try and get peace and stability into the workplace So, you know, it's just not in our interest To have pandemonium and chaos And it had such a negative impact on the whole country And the way that the investment community Look at South Africa So and, I, and I it
0: changed, it changed the future of labor relations Not just within the, the, the mining sector But broadly in the country That's in, why you were saying you know, that in terms of the index We had number 144 well, Number
1: 144 in terms of that index In employer-employer relations And what happened in the mining industry Is a major factor to that ranking and my own view is that the mining industry must appreciate the impact of allowing anarchy to persist.
0: All right, let me and if we don't,
1: we're going to be in trouble.
0: Let me uh, read SMS's and I'm going to go to the lines in a minute Uh, Somebody says, how do you transform an engineering business only by education? That is a bigger disaster Uh, SG, what's the ANC and your view on labor brokers' practice? Uh, But somebody says, I don't hear Mandasha saying how the unions can help out They sit on trillions of rand of pension money uh, Use that money to save jobs, that's from Bill in Durban Marie says, didn't you hear a word from government when Zuma's family destroyed mine and mine workers' lives? That's according to Mari. Um Also, somebody says I can't think of anyone who has damaged business relations than Mantashe. Um As long as the means of production are in the hands of white capital and the ownership structure does not change, the relations will not change. Says an SMS not signed, uh, not signed. C Point Leondale says um, an alternative for the state would be to withdraw the mining licenses of those shafts that are being closed and sell those licenses to people who are prepared uh, to take the risk fees from the sale can be used to mitigate the plight of each shaft workers that Sipo in Leondel. Let me take one or two calls before I come back again to you uh, Mr. Matashi. Jagana, good morning to you Jagana Jagana are you there? Have we lost the call? Alright let me, let me go to Hassan Logat here in Johannesburg. Hello Hassan oh, uh, We're losing, we seem to have problems here Alright let, let's respond to the SMS's we're going to go to the no, lines in a minute.
1: What I'm not going to do Polani is to respond to insults. I'm not going to do that. Let me deal with only two issues that are are time to talk to the issues. The first one is the question of labour brokers. Mm -hmm. I think people must follow the legislative process that is underway in dealing with this matter. And with COSATU there is an agreement on every aspect of that legislation. There is one point where there are still hiccups. is the six months of allowing triangular relations, which is a major process. If people don't follow that process and monitor it closely, they will uh, talk to the emotion, because when you shout a slogan, pouncing a labor brokers, pouncing everybody that can catch fire, people must follow the details. A lot of work has been done there, including business, including labor. I want to leave that one at that. Let me go to the trillions of rent in pensions. Where are these trillions of rands in pensions? Where are they? Actually, that is a debate on this one that maybe you must facilitate. It's a debate that says, why do you take these trillions of rands and put them in the hands of asset managers who invest them as they wish in shares, high risk, high return, and be reluctant in investing in productive economy? It means the structure of the retirement fund industry needs to be reviewed as well, because those 50-50, because these runs of pension funds are not in the of trade unions. In those actually boards of trustees, 50% are employers, 50% are workers. Basically, you have this money that is core-controlled, but in the main, trustees sit there to decide which asset manager must invest this money for us? We give it to that one, we give it to that one, we give it to that one. And it is asset managers basically channel investment. That debate is a debate that you can open.
0: Sure. Uh, I've, uh, I've got Peter Major on the line. Peter Major is with Katie's, uh, uh, solution Corporate Solutions. Peter, good morning. Hi, Kalani. Hi, thank you very much, Peter. Peter, I just, you know, would like to know your thoughts on this, because it appears as if much of this is about the relationships and, and much of this is about the engagement between this state, between government, between the ruling party and the mining industry. Your, your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, but I I think there's a little too much input from too many players here. Uh, you got too many people trying to run the mines, and the union has a very big role, but now the workers want an even larger role than the union. And unfortunately, government, which has some role, keeps changing depending on the the mood of the the miners or the mood of who they think the the population is. So I think the poor mine managers, they don't really know who to listen the most to, and you just got too many people trying to call the shots, too many people determining what wage structures, how many days you work, safety regulations, Um, and Just one last comment. Gwenny Montage is talking about the pension managers and the asset managers, but they don't have very much to do with mining companies anymore because they would much rather invest, and they do invest most of their assets into the cigarette companies, the media companies, and the alcohol companies, and the casinos because that's where they make the returns. So unions don't have to worry about, the asset managers put money into mining companies because very few of the asset managers want to put their their money in mining companies anymore because they show bad returns.
0: And that's uh, Roger. I speaking about in Peter Major, thank you very much. Let me go to John in Kuruman. John, are you there? Good morning.
5: Yes. Hi. Good go morning. ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning, uh, and Mister Mantasha and your guest eh? Yeah. Hi. hi. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to go straight into the point? We've got a problem here in session C&O Iron Ore Company Limited here in Kumba Mining, o, where 150 workers are being retrenched and they are attending cases. But I want Mr. Mantashe and Mr. Frank Baleni to intervene here in session Mining iron all because we are going to say what our parents are not now, no more working now because of attending cases of and iron ore mining, mining company they focus are focused uh, uh, at amplas they focus are focused at that coal mining but yeah in our area in, in shishin there is none
6: right. the
5: rest of the workers uh, after they, they will join the the, the fly-by-night uh, 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 union because of no one is he, 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 the the, focus, the shift is the shift and the blame is too much at amplas but they all forget right. that they are the workers that they have joined NAM at Iron and and Ore Company. All
0: right. The, you you, right. you get your response, from John.
5: September, till mm. so now they are attending cases. But no one, no one. Please, Mr. Mantashe and Mr. Franz Baleni, right. intervene.
0: Please. Okay. John and Kuruman, thank you. Uh, and I Iron Ore there, 150 facing retrenchment. Gerald is in Durban. Your thoughts? Good morning. Hello.
5: Uh, morning, Zelani. Morning to Mr. Montaschi. Mr. Right. Montaschi made a call for lean and mean mining companies. Well, you we should actually start with lean and mean government. This is a government that misappropriates, steals uh, billions in taxpayers' money e- every year. And, you know, having a call from Mr. F- uh, France Baleni is just a point in, uh, in case. He earns 1.4 million a year. There's nothing lean and mean about his lifestyle. You know, what Mr. Mantashi has is a government that has a credibility problem. Never mind anyone in mining. No one trusts this government, especially people with money. That's people with business. They don't trust this government. Go have a look at Transparency International's Corruption Index and see where we're going. We're going down very quickly. Now, with all respect to Mr. Mantashi and the other honest people within the ANC, you either – uh, involved in corruption or you are complicit in it by your silence and he needs to do something about that
0: all right Gerald and Durbin Jagana Imtata. Mtata hello hello Jalana, how are you? I'm very well thanks for your call uh,
6: uh okay good morning to your guests
0: yeah go ahead morning
1: please. morning
6: okay. yes
1: uh FG, Moana. Moana, Jalana. Moana,
6: Jalana. I, I'm having a problem as a layman. Uh, in as far as the politics of economics are concerned. Uh, why do we keep on selling our jobs outside the country? Why do we sell our natural resources, uh, as, as raw materials without Forcing uh, the mining industries to a process or to force the investors to process what the mining industries are mining outside, uh, 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 out of our soil. Why do we keep on selling the raw materials cheap without enforcing investors to invest inside South Africa? By saying, in sense, putting a legislation that it is a criminal criminal act to sell a raw material of South Africa without being processed in,
0: inside the country. Thank okay. you. Chakana and Umtata, thank you. Let me read some emails uh, before I get responses. Here's one from Sigen Randberg who says, Mr. Mandasha is causing monumental damage to foreign and local investment. There can be no investment in countries where communist governments uh, take over the running of the mines and the businesses. South Africa is no exception to that logic and the result in terms of growing unemployment, poverty and in- income inequality are already evident that's Sigin Randberg on the email now, the email came through from uh, Mr Maferega uh, Mantasha and Franz Valeni have failed mining workers in a long time, that's why NUM is increasingly losing its members to other unions, that's Maferega in Bloemfontein uh, there is an email as well from Vivian that says, it is very important that efficiency in mining and other companies improve so that cost can decrease and some jobs saved. Miners commit to the NDP and the other government policies in order to take the development of South Africa forward, that all parties become honest and open in discussions as the future of the majority of the poor is at stake here. It is also important, however, that it is uh, also a fact that the fact South Africa ranks poorly on competitive index, employer employee index, human development index, economic freedom uh, and some other indices is not a creation of the mining companies the ANC led government must take its own share of the blame, it has to be clear on policies show leadership, monitor what is happening uh, with competent employees we have not seen that in recent history it's a very long email from Vivian but let me start with you Mr Nmandasha again, so much to respond to
1: yes there are quite many (coughs) Um, uh, Peter Major he is talking about uh, too many people wanting to run the mines I think he's committing a mistake he is trapped in a situation where he thinks that market forces uh, are angels. And therefore, nobody must comment on the behavior of the markets. I think it's an ideological position. So when you take an ideological position, you will say, yes, they don't invest in mining, they invest in other uh, sectors that make returns. Actually, I- I- I'm monitoring companies when they flight uh, new uh, listing to get more money invested and get new shares. I have not had a mining, a mining company that have put up uh, those shares that is not oversubscribed. So that means, factually, he is talking, that's from the hoof. He is just putting across an ideological position. Uh, the, 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 there is a, a comrade from Session uh, who says we must intervene uh, he must make a difference between Mandasha and Berlin. Berlin is the general center of the NUM. He must be in session. I agree with him. Mandasha must not be in session. But we must deal with the principles that seek to protect workers. That role we must play. And But if he wants the ANC and the NUM to be in the mind. He is making a mistake. That is not the role of, the, of, the, of a political party, to be in the mind, but it is the role of the political party to raise issues and, and principles. But I think we... we, we, we the, Gerald uh, talks about Min and mean government, and, 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 and he makes a very interesting point that people, he qualifies them, people with money don't trust this government. I don't know what the basis of that. If the basis of that is that this government argues too much for the poor, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Because if we argue for the poor, who are the majority, who are the most oppressed, who are the most exploited, and therefore people with money hate us for that, that is a compliment. But we still have to talk to people with money to come closer to the industry so that they understand the importance of uh common prosperity. That if they get too rich and they leave many people in poverty, uh, instability seeds are being planted in the process. And if they understand that, I will be very quiet. The last point uh, I want to talk to is Jagana, because I'm not going to talk to Sig. I think Sig uh, in Rundberg, who, who phones every day, is one of those callers that uh, I've just stopped uh, taking serious because he thinks that he is paid to attack the NC. I suspect that somebody is funding him to phone every day and just insult the ANSI. So I won't respond to him. I ignore him every day uh, because he insults the NC every day. But Jagana made a point. I think Jagana must move closer to the debate on beneficiation and the legislation that is being processed in that regard. If he does that, he will be in a better position, you will have less problems with the politics of economy.
0: Just a final one, and for you gentlemen both, because I'm going to ask you, Mr. Baxter, as well to wrap up. I'm out of time. Uh, again, the point raised by Gerald, whether he is talking about the rich or not, he's talking about trust. How do yeah. you create that? Because that's now, the key point.
1: But He says, trust. He says, people with money don't trust this government. That's what he says.
0: Sure, but ultimately it's about trust yes. and Ultimately you want to create no. trust Within within all the role players
1: no. No, no, Let me make the point Colas. You see when you make that position You say basically This government Must dump the poor In favour of the money I think it's a wrong point to make But if it was a trust point General, it's a different matter And trust is end. You don't declare
0: or proclaim Right Mr Baxter, your th- closing thoughts for me
2: Um, it's not to say that we don't have trust in play. I think uh, absolutely trust is earned and and worked on over time, and that uh, that is earned through constructive problem-solving engagement, which is taking place between the ANC and business uh, and the chamber. Uh, And we can't achieve our objectives unless we have our investments as a country, unless we get long-term strong investment in the mining sector, and we can achieve that through constructive uh, strong problem-solving work- working uh, relationships, uh, trust-based, with between ANC uh, government and business.
0: I thank you both for your time. Thanks indeed, Mr. Thank Desi. you
2: very thank much.
0: You. Thank you. Roger Baxter, Acting Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber of Mines, Guederman the ANC's SG. Thank you very much for your time. And I would like to thank you for listening to the program this day. Your input as well, SMSs, emails, and calls. Also, a big thank you to the team who we'll put it all together. Our producers, Mishu Shandrali, Tracy Bumgaard, Ronald Peary, uh, thank Mabaso, senior Producer, Lungile Mabaso, Technical Producer, Lebo Munnana, former Adai Producer, Jake Mukoma, Chief Producer, Buzilu Kaudu, Executive Producers, Busey Chane, and Obrisey. My name is Olani Gwala. I shall be back for you reporting tomorrow, six to nine, here on SAFM. It's nine o'clock. Time for you.